Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. What's up, everyone? How's it going there? It is a warm summer's day at 2.20 p.m. here in Sydney, Australia. It is beautiful outside, and you know what? I am sat on my bed in my room banging this podcast out because you know why? Because I love it. I love talking about health, fitness, nutrition. You know, that's my passion, and uh, I'm going to drop some bombs today. So today's episode, I'm going to bust some myths. Okay, there's a lot of myths out there. There's a lot of incorrect information out there, especially now we have access to more information than ever before, and unfortunately, a lot of us are inundated with the wrong types of information, so I am going to be busting myths like there's no tomorrow. The three myths I'm going to be talking about today are fat loss. See, I hope now you've tuned in, especially the ladies. I find when you mention the words fat loss or fat burning to women, it's like, boom, something goes off in their brain and they're just like tuned into the conversation. (laughs) You know, I've trained over a thousand people and uh, yeah, fat loss, fat burning, great words. Anyway, um, fat loss and the myths behind the most effective ways to lose fat, such as cardio. Do we overdo cardio? Do you think? Or do you think it's overrated? Well, I'm going to share that with you. Also, eating little and often. So, you know, eating at regular intervals and, you know, having breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then maybe having a snack in between. You know how, um, like, th- that information is kind, of, uh, it's kind of being quashed now, which is good. But, you know, we've been led to believe that eating little and often is going to be beneficial for us when, in fact, it's quite the opposite, to be honest. So I'll go into that as well. And finally, carbs, carbohydrates. I actually done a blog uh, newsletter on this, and I sent this out to people on my subscribers list. And do carbs make you fat? Well, that's a very, let's face it, carbohydrates, right? It's almost like that word is completely demonized now, isn't it? It's like a a horrible kind of um, nutrient, Almost, you know, like uh, carbohydrates. Oh, I got, I got to keep my carbs down because I'm going to get fat. And it's again, what what happens within the fitness and nutrition in, uh, industry is things get blown out of proportion. People, certain people, grab things and run with it, and everything always goes to the extreme. So, as I've mentioned many times before, one of the main drivers behind this podcast is to help. People listening to it find balance in their life, uh, build a nice, lean-looking body, you know, and everything else comes and everything that comes with it. Essentially, optimize your body. You know, it does what it says on the tin. We are going to optimize that body of yours. If you just keep tuning in, I'm going to be dropping gems week in, week out. So, yeah, carbohydrates do they make you fat? I'll go into that as well. So I'll start off with um, fat-burning myths and fat-loss myths. So I'm going to go into cardio, right, because it is kind of frustrating me a little bit now, actually, that, I mean, people are now starting to see the lights, uh, starting to lift weights, uh, you know, looking at lifting weights as a priority now when it comes to what they're doing in the gym and uh, the time they're spending in the gym. Now, generally, with most people, from what I've observed, um, it's it's people are becoming more productive and lifting weights and focusing on that element 
in order to build a healthy, you know, supercharged metabolism. And then obviously nutrition as well. We all know how important, we all know the stuff we do outside of the gym. So it's, it's all the time, let's face it, the majority of the time spent uh, when it comes to achieving your goals and molding fitness and and health into uh you know like a healthy lifestyle most of the most of the things you're doing which are going to actually for example most of the calories you burn right are going to be outside of the gym on a day-to-day basis let's face it unfortunately we spend bloody a big chunk of, chunk of our lives working or the average person does anyway i don't know about you but I, I spend a hell of a lot of time working uh i'm not i'm not a multimillionaire yet but i will be one day hopefully but no seriously um we spend let's just say i don't know a third of our life Working and that time, for example, if you have a desk job, a sedentary job, where you're sat down for prolonged periods. Now, I have, a, I have people I deal with online and um, not doing so much one-to-one stuff online now, but I've, I've, I've coached uh, lots of people online and, and, and personal training as well. Uh, you know, I'm still a personal trainer and I deal with a lot of people in this day and age who have sedentary lifestyles, right? So they're sat at a desk. <clears throat> at an office job and you know if they don't focus on their um, movements then essentially they're not moving much so they have to be mindful of how much active of their activity levels because as I say most of your calories burnt so to speak are going to be outside of the gym when you're in work that eight hours you know if you're sat down for the whole time and you're not making an effort to move outside of your working hours then guess what you know you're not going to be exerting a great deal of calories so um let's just look at cardio and movements and how important that is for fat loss now like i said what i always get people to do is i get them to track if they if their goal is to lose fat and get lean I get them to track their movements. Now, I've, I've told you this many times before, but I get them to invest in a wrist piece, like a Fitbit, and I get them to track how many steps they're doing. I'll give them a target. For example, most people do have office jobs, so they'll, they, without realizing it, they, they're actually not even, they're not doing any more than about 5,000 steps a day. Now, that's about 30 minutes of moving, walking, on a, in a whole day. Now, I mean, that's throughout the whole day. Okay, so what I say to them is, right, you need to increase your steps. You need to do an extra 20, ste- uh, 20 minutes of walking a day, right? So that'll be an extra, say, 4,000 steps. Let's just round it off, right? Say for argument's sake, I said to them, right, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure you do an extra 30-minute walk a day um, on top of, you know, j- j- sorry. What I mean is do an extra 30 minutes of walking a day, and that's going to rack up, let's say, about 5,000 steps, give or take. Do that every single day, day in, day out, and guess what? You're going to be burning a hell of a lot of calories, a hell of a lot more calories by the end of the week. Let's add that up over the week, uh, 30 minutes each day, three and a half hours extra of walking, you know, um, it's going to be a lot more calories you're burning there. So that's what it comes down to really. When it comes to losing body fat, you need to be burning more than you're eating, right? Now, with cardiovascular training, now it's like I said, it kind of irritates me a little bit because I just I put myself into 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 certain people's boots, right? When it comes to go to the gym, do cardiovascular burn calories, right? Because in their heads, obviously they want to lose fat, um, they want to be fit as well, which I'll come to that soon. But you know, they go to the gym, they do cardio, you know, cross trainer or walking on the treadmill, for example, like that's very common. People go to the gym and they walk on the treadmill. Now, I mean, each to their own, right? But, I mean, come on. If you want to do that and you enjoy it, that's great. But 
there's much more productive things you can do if your goal is to lose fat than walk on a treadmill. So if you go to the gym and you burn X amount of calories, you go on the cross trainer or you do some running on the treadmill or even walk on the treadmill for an hour, you burn some calories, yes, you manually burn some calories. Now, what does that do? It literally burns calories. What are the benefits you get from it? Hmm, yeah, fitness, cardiovascular, you get a little bit of benefit there, but when it comes to fat burning, you're not getting a great deal out of it because what you're doing outside of the gym with your nutrition, unless you're dialed with your nutrition, do you know what? Even if you are and you're just doing cardio and you're not focusing enough on lifting weights, then actually it could have an adverse effect on your um, metabolism. But without going too much into that just yet, I always, when I do these podcasts on my own, I tend to uh, go off track a bit. Right, I'm going to slow it down a bit. Let's look at fat burning, cardiovascular training for fat burning. Manually, you're going to burn some calories. Yes. Now, if you're doing cardiovascular training day in, day out, right, where you're, let's say, running most days or pushing yourself in the gym, which is not always a bad thing, right? Um, or let's look at what's very popular right now, such as high-intensity training. And maybe not so much popular, but, you know, CrossFit, F45, you know, these high-intensity types of training uh, becoming a lot more popular now, yeah? And... A lot of people, even outside of, of those kind of community kind of things, such as CrossFit, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people do like doing high-intensity training and thrashing themselves in the gym, and um, people enjoy that type of training, which, as I said on my video, if any of you saw it with CrossFit, I did say if you enjoy it, for God's sake, don't stop it. You know, if you enjoy doing it, then that's, that's one of the main things, right? One of the most important things when it comes to molding exercise and health into your lifestyle is actually enjoying it. That is what life's all about. But when it comes to being specific in terms of your goals, now if you're doing, let's just look at in the gym, right? Now there is, um, you know, heaps of people who go to the gym, they do high intensity training week in, week out where they're sprinting on the treadmill. You know, let's just look at the extreme example, burpees, all that crazy kind of stuff, uh, sprints on the treadmill, and, you know, let's say rowing, high-intensity rowing. Now, high-intensity training, I'm not going to knock it. It does definitely have its place. For example, when I um, I do it, I'll, I'll cycle high-intensity training. I'll do it probably for about three or four weeks at any given time until my body adapts. And then it becomes, the results become diminishing in numerous ways, right? So what I'm getting at is if you're, if you're doing high-intensity training, pushing yourself in the gym cardio-wise, right, then Generally, it's I, I, for most people, it's not going to be favorable long term, right? Because the signals you're sending to your body, if you're going to the gym and you're doing uh, cardio, like pretty strenuous cardio, most times you train, right? And you're doing this continuously without, you know, having a break from it. And actually, you know, high inten- it's called high intensity for a reason. It's bloody hard. It's high intensity. There's, it, you're applying a lot of stress to the body. Now, obviously... It can be good because that's what, you know, that's most of the benefits and um, advantages we get in life when it comes to health, longevity, how we look. It's because we are putting stress on the body. That is how you 
progress in life in any aspect, right? But when it comes to fitness, like lifting weights, it's a stress on the body. Going to the gym, doing high-intensity cardio, it's a stress on the body, which is why you need to do it properly, okay? So if you're doing high-intensity training day in, day out, what's going to happen to your metabolism long-term, right? The chances are, actually, your metabolism could potentially slow down. It could have a, um, I would go as as far to say, I'll put my bets on the fact that it's going to have an adverse effect on your metabolism long term if you're doing it day in and day out. Same goes for any cardio, even if it's like quite moderate intensity, jogging or whatever it is. You know, this is why I say to people, look, if your goal is to lose body fat, what you need to focus on first are the fundamentals, lifting weights. Okay, I'll go into that in a minute. Moving enough, get yourself a Fitbit and walk more, right? So you're burning more calories, right? And say, for example, even if it's just someone who's got a relatively active lifestyle, like I might be talking to someone who's listening to this now, they're, oh, okay, well, you know, I don't know, I'm a builder. I've got a, I've got a super busy lifestyle, uh, sorry, a super active uh, job, burning loads of calories. Well, then guess what? If you, if you get, get yourself a Fitbit or something to track how many steps you're doing, chances are when it comes to, when it comes to fapping and you're already expending so many calories, and then if you're lifting weights on top of that, that's more than enough. Then all you've got to do is just dial in the nutrition, I make that sound easy, but that's that's the tricky part. Is um is eating the right foods most of the time, and and you know having the right amount of calories based on what your body needs. Okay, so um yeah, so just to cap that off, right? If what I would say to you directly, if you're doing cardio on a regular basis, right? Just consider, right? What are my goals? I if I want to build um a good look, I, I want to look better. Okay, I want to have a more of a an aesthetically pleasing physique, right? I'm gonna say. Then what you need to focus on primarily is using high. If you're doing high intensity cardio, use that as a tool. Okay. So as I'm as I was saying, when I do competitions or when I do um, photo shoots or if I want to get super super lean uh, or build my fitness up, you know, take my fitness to another level, then I'll bring high intensity cardio such as sprints on the treadmill, um, interval training on the rower, interval training on the bike. Uh, you know sledge pushing the sledge battling ropes all that kind of crazy stuff it does have its place and I'll, I'll cycle it for about three or four weeks because what happens is your body will adapt to that stimulus so like i said if you're doing it day in day out what's going to happen is the body will adapt now the body is an adaptation machine right it'll adapt to anything you throw at it so if you're doing intense cardio Okay, you're sending the signal to your body that right okay we're burning a lot of calories we're putting a lot of stress Onto, onto, onto ourselves here. So what it'll do is it'll actually slow down to protect you. So your resting metabolic rate will most likely over time slow down to stop you from dying because it doesn't make sense for your metabolism to elevate and charge up when you're burning so many calories manually by doing cardio on a regular basis. Because if it did, why would it speed up? Why would your resting metabolic rate speed up? when you're doing that all the time. It doesn't make sense. On the flip side, if you're lifting weights properly with good technique, okay, and you're not you haven't you're not applying too much stress to your body and you get things reasonably right with the nutrition. It doesn't have to be spot on. <clears throat> Either way, forget about nutrition. What's gonna happen is with lifting weights, you know, a lot of you probably may may already be doing this, but just so you know, you're automatically burning more calories. So as I've mentioned before, if you like for example, one pound of lean body mass Okay, so if you build a pound of lean muscle, you know, as a result of lifting weights, 
And guess what's going to happen? That's going to burn you an extra 30 to 50 calories a day. I know it doesn't sound like much, but that is just to keep that muscle on your body. And guess what? If you're consistent and you're not overdoing cardio um, and being kind of counterproductive and just focusing mainly on lifting weights, moving enough, using cardio as a tool, then your metabolism, your resting metabolic rate is going to elevate and charge up over time because you are building muscle. Now, let's just say over the space of six months of consistently lifting weights, right, you built six pounds of muscle, which, by the way, would be pretty good depending on where you're at, but six pounds of muscle, you know, lean muscle tissue within the space of six months, then that is up to an extra 300 calories a day your body is burning, you know, just to keep that muscle on your body. You know, an analogy I like to use and what I've stole from the Mind Pump Media guys (laughs) is... Um, calories cost, uh, sorry, calories cost, uh, God, sorry, I get this right in the end. Calories are expensive. They cost a lot of calories, right? So fat is inexpensive. It's cheap, right? To keep fat on your body, uh, you know, like a pound of fatty tissue is going to burn you around about nothing really, but anything between one and two calories a day, okay? Whereas lean body mass, 30 to 50 calories. So it's expensive tissue to keep on your body. It costs the body a lot of calories. So just always bear that in mind. Your number one focus, if your goal is to lose fat, is to be lifting weights with optimum technique every single day, most days. And not necessarily, and it's not even about breaking breaking yourself and damaging the muscles, which, to be honest, without being condescending, most people listening to this is probably, you're probably in the place I was about two years ago where I was training one or two body parts at a time and hammering the body parts every time, damaging them, aching the next day. It's not about aching the next day. It's not about damaging the muscles. Yes, at times you should feel like you've done something, um, but it's about sending the muscle building signal. And you know what does that better than anything? The two things which you, I think most of you listening to this are going to be missing out on, and that is frequency and adaptation. So that's why I said lifting weights most days. So lifting weights frequently, yeah, hence training frequency, lifting weights frequently and stimulating the muscles pretty much every day is what's going to, is what's going to um, make you build muscle at a faster rate. So this is why my training program is such a game changer and people are getting great results from it because... It consists of three total body training sessions, free weights, okay, uh, per week, hitting the whole body. So that's everything, legs, back muscles, chest, even the arms, the calves, the abs, every single body part you're hitting three times in a week. And then the days in between, you're doing resistance band workouts, low intensity, okay, so you're doing anything from one to three resistance band workouts, um, and that is going to send the muscle building signal, makes your muscles look pumped as well, looks, makes you look great, but also helps you recover, and it's sending that muscle building signal on the days in between, and that is what is going to get you by far better results than what you're doing now. So if you're lifting weights and you're doing one or two body parts each time, as I've said before, you're a little bit of a step behind. You should be hitting the whole body and stimulating, stimulating the muscles more frequently. I'll quickly go into adaptation now. So like I said, even when it comes to cardio, the body will adapt. The body will adapt to anything. Now, with cardiovascular, it adapts by slowing slowing down your metabolism, being more efficient at burning calories. So when you're doing your cardio, yes, at the time, manually, it'll be efficient. It'll burn the calories. But then, to keep you alive and to help you survive, it's going to slow your, potentially slow your resting metabolic rate down. So if you're doing it all the time, if you're abusing cardio, that's what's going to happen. Lifting weights you know, um, 
and adapting to lifting weights is going to be favorable, okay? Because, but at the same time, this is why my program is, is, is segmented into different phases. So it's a nine-week program, and there's three phases. So each phase is three weeks, right? So it's just the same as cardio. After, generally, the, like I said, the body adapts fast. So after, so let's, let me give you an example. So the first three weeks, you'll be doing strength training, which is the most effective thing, if you ask me, for your metabolism. And again, most of you listening are probably not doing strength training. Or, yeah, I, I again, I'm just putting myself into your boots because I only first properly focused on strength training two years ago. So, um, and it changed the game for me because it does something to the body in terms of um, elevating your metabolism. It really does um, supercharge your metabolism when you're doing strength training because it's such a stress on the nervous system. So the body has to adapt the body tries to adapt, so after about two weeks, it'll adapt, right? So the first week of, of my program, for example, your body will not know what's hit it. And yes, you'll probably be aching a bit and, and feeling tired. The second week, your body will be like, oh, okay, I know what's coming here now, and it'll start adapting. The third week is generally when you're, you're doing the same exercises. So you're doing three different workouts each week, um, but they're the same exercise in each workout. So the third week, you're doing... Um, your body is will adapt. It'll, it knows what's coming. It knows the exercises. It becomes very good because most exercises are a skill, right? So it'll get good at each, especially squats, for example. Um, but anyway, the body will become better at each exercise, more efficient, and it'll adapt. So then, once you, if you go into like the four, five week uh, mark, doing the same thing, it'll adapt too much to the body, and the results become diminishing. So the metabolism again will slow down because the body's adapted and and worked out exactly what's going on. So that's what it's all about, really. I mean, it, it sounds quite complex, but in reality, I'll just I'll just summarize this uh, section of you know this first mythbuster when it comes to fat burning. <clears throat> Cardiovascular for fat burning is not optimal. Lifting weights for burning fat long term and short-term, really, by far, blows out of the water, okay, so, just think about, when you go to the gym, and you're doing cardio, let's look at, let you in the gym for an hour, let's just say that's roughly about, I don't know, about 5% of your day, so 5% of your day, you've been burning calories manually, okay, you've, you've gone and burned calories, when you're lifting weights, you lift some weights, for 10 to 12 hours after, your metabolism is roaring, okay, because your body is trying to recover, and then what's, hap- what's happening then is, you're burning more calories for that 10 to 12 hours minimum. So 50% of your day, you're burning more calories. You see what I mean? Instead of 5%, 50% of your day. So instead of that one hour, um, you know, for like 10 to 12 hours, boom, 50% of your day, metabolism's roaring. And um, actually, 48 to 72 hours is when your body hits its peak in terms of the uh, the anabolic uh, fat burning, muscle building kind of zone, right? So, yeah. So anything up to seventy-two hours after lifting weights, um, your metabolism is uh, is roaring and and things are working in your favour. So I hope that was uh, you know simple enough for you to understand. Next, I'm going to move swiftly onto that. Sorry, I always go on like that was meant to be much shorter than that. So uh, anyway, I hope you picked up some great knowledge bombs there. I'm going to move on to. Um, eating regular and eating little and often because I still see a lot of people doing this, um, especially because within the bodybuilding industry, we now have a lot of coaches emerging, um, you know, because they've competed a few times or whatever. Um, They are now all of a sudden um, nutritional experts. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Obviously, I have done eight competitions myself 
and I worked my way up to a pro level and I fell into that category after competing a few times. I then thought I was in a position to, you know, provide people with nutritional advice and I failed a lot of people because I didn't know what the hell I was talking about efficiently, uh, effectively because I was into the, sucked into the bodybuilding, into the bodybuilding uh, kind of, I don't know, movement if you like, of eating six meals a day because I thought this was going to keep my metabolism elevated and it was going to keep me in a muscle building uh, anabolic state, if you like, by eating every couple of hours. Again, do you know where this has come from? Funny enough, it's come from the supplement industry. Okay, so the supplement industry, when it comes to protein and, you know, all these different supplements, just so in case you're thinking, what does he mean by that? You know, protein supplements and all the rest of it, amino acids, pre-workers, all this. Um, it's primarily came from the supplement industry. It's been thrown at us and it's a load of bullshit, right? So it's gonna think about it, it's gonna benefit their pockets. If you're if you're if you think, all oh, right, I need I need protein every couple of hours, right? And then guess what? It's kinda hard to get six meals in every day. Because I've been there, I've gone up to eight meals a day before, where I was taking a bag round with me, a, a bag which had a chiller integrated into it, and I was making sure I ate every couple of hours because I thought muscle was gonna fall off my body. <laughs> and that's no shit, right? Um so yeah, there's there's no science to back that up. And in fact, it's really bad for your body. And I'm pretty sure I've done some irreversible damage to my gut from um, competing and not eating, um, you know, um, not necessarily eating the right foods. I thought I was being healthy at the time, but I was eating in a restrictive manner um, and eating little and often. And and you know what? It puts a lot of strain on your body, body right? So <clears throat> now I eat infrequently so i eat i don't eat any more than four times in a day that's the maximum amount of times i'll eat in a day and i can't think for love and money what the name of this doctor is but he was on another podcast i was listening to a guy called uh, ben Pakulski. if any of you know him i would tune into his podcast if i were you he is one of the only uh, heavyweight big time bodybuilders who actually really really knows his shit and he had a guy on his show and he was saying this doctor was saying you really shouldn't eat more than four times a day for for health longevity um and for a wide uh, you know for a broad range of, of different health purposes you shouldn't eat more than four times a day now obviously there's a few variables there and it's not going to kill you so don't panic if you eat more than four times a day i'm talking optimizing your body yeah so <clears throat> we have a circadian rhythm Okay, uh, now that's our body's basically uh, natural rhythm, our body clock, if you like, right? When it comes to sleep, rising, eating, we have a rhythm. And guess what? If you're eating every couple of hours, or you're, you're shoving food into your mouth, um, you know, on a regular on a regular basis, eating really frequently, it's putting your circadian rhythm kind of out of whack in a sense, and it's putting your body in the more. Every time we eat, obviously, the body has to work. The body has to work super hard anyway. Okay, going into the circadian rhythm and just for you to stay alive and listen to this podcast, you may be eating now, but if you're not eating and you're, you're driving, whatever, you're listening to this podcast, your body's working super hard. Every organ in your body is working hard just to keep you alive, to keep you breathing, right? So when you're putting food into your body, guess what? It has to work extra hard to break that food down, you know, and absorb the nutrients and all the rest of it. It's uh, it's one hell of a, um, it's actually a really, really, um, intelligent process when it comes to the body breaking down food, but I won't go too much into that. But what I'm, what I'm getting at with this is I now eat infrequently. Okay. So I don't eat any more than four times a day. 
yes, I, I, I um, fast. I'm, I intermittent fast most days, okay? Now, I'm not going to promote that to you because I don't want to promote fasting to people um, unless they're already at a high level. I never actually bring that in and use that, um, utilize that with people unless they're, you know, they're already have got a decent relationship with food and they're eating, <clears throat> you know, for the most part, nutrient-dense foods. So, um, yeah, so for example, I think I've mentioned this lots of times, but, um, you know, it is my lifestyle now, you know, um, intermittent fasting. So I generally don't eat, you know, I'll have clients from 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning, but I won't eat until about late morning or midday. Um, so most within, within like, uh, within, say for example, I'll stop eating at 7 p.m., roughly stop eating 7, 8 p.m. the night before. <clears throat> I don't always get a, and that's another thing as well, um, eating before bed, not ideal. If you could try to, um, if you could try to give yourself at least three hours, um, before bed, before, um, uh, cut off your food at least three hours before bed. It's actually much more, much more beneficial for health, longevity, for your digestive system, um, for, for lots of different things, even, even when it comes to metabolism and fat burning. Um, I think over time, um, eating just before bed is not ideal, but I tend to do this mm, four times a week. I can't always, you know, I'm quite a big guy and it's tough getting all the calories in. So if I've got clients, I have clients most evenings and mornings. So I'll finish work sometimes at 8 p.m. and I haven't managed to get enough food in. So I'll eat when I get home just before bed. Um, so that's, that's about four times a week. But if I can help it, I, I try not to eat um, any sooner than about three hours before bed. So uh, that's another little tip for you. But once again, I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll generally, say for example, I stop eating, say one of my later ones. So I stop eating at 9 p.m. the night before. Break my fast the next day, maybe 12, 1 p.m. So that's like a 15 to 16 hour fast most days, right? And then I'm eating within, say, anything from like, I'll just let's just say I eat within an eight hour window then. Most days on average, okay? So so that is actually much more beneficial for, for numerous different things. They've done studies, and um, the studies show in that actually even for muscle building, um, certain genes um, are, are triggered, which are favorable for muscle building when it comes to intermittent fasting because it uh, desensitizes you to protein, and um, your body will generally, um, not for everyone, by the way, it's not for everyone, but for, for the most part, your body will assimilate calories more efficiently because, you know, it, again, it's, it's adapting. It's not stupid. It thinks, shit, this mofo is not giving me food uh, very regular, so I better uh, absorb these calories and, and utilize these calories more efficiently. And that's just the way the body works. So, um, yeah, so for muscle building, even for endurance they're finding. They're finding people who do endurance uh, events and long-distance running and whatnot. They're finding intermittent fasting. Um, it does something to the red blood cells and uh, improves improves that as well. Also, cancer, because, um, you, you know, you're releasing, you're stimulating IGF-1 insulin growth factor, which is a, um, a big uh, contributor to, to different types of cancer. I believe you're, you're, not, you're not actually uh, use, using this hormone up as, uh, sorry, using this hormone as much or something along those lines. So um, yeah, so uh, reduced risk of cancer, certain types of cancer. And just look, look at longevity. Um, think about it, you know. Um, if you're eating regular day in, day out, you're putting your body under stress every time you eat. So over time, surely it's not going to be ideal for the body. And let's look at eat from an evolutionary standpoint one more time. Because, folks, it's always going back to basics, right? So how do we evolve? Let's go back 100,000 years. 
you think we would be eating six meals a day? We'd be lucky sometimes to eat six meals in a week. You know, there would be times of famine where there would be no food available. And guess what we'd be doing for a few days sometimes? We'd be fasting. So the body is adapted this way. Okay, so it's it's great to finally see that um, it's so funny. Like, once again, I'm going off on one again, but... It's interesting how like stuff like saunas and cold showers and stuff, these are things that, um, um, you know, people have been using for ancient, you know, for millennia, Um, you know, since back in ancient times. For example, the Scandinavians, they have hot saunas as part of their culture to have a hot sauna. For example, I think they have a regime, right, in certain parts of Scandinavia where they have like, um, they'll have like a 15-minute hot sauna and then they'll plunge into the freezing cold waters there in the Arctic, right? I know that's a bit extreme, but they've adapted to this, right? So they'll have a hot sauna and then they'll jump into the cold water for five minutes and they'll repeat that cycle like for about an hour, so like four times, three or four times. Um, And it switches on, apparently the studies they've done have shown that it switches on certain longevity genes and um, it improves your all-over health. Now, I could even do another episode on this, but saunas increase, um, generally increase testosterone levels, uh, improve uh, the function of the heart and the cardiovascular system uh, because of the heat and uh, other different factors. Um, what's the name of the protein? Uh, the heat, uh, what's it called? The uh, heat wave protein, is it? Or heat shock proteins, I think, or something like that. You release heat shock proteins uh, when you're having a sauna. Yeah, and Alzheimer's as well, which is really interesting. Um, I think they, they, they've done studies and they've shown that um, having, I don't know why 11 minutes, don't ask me why, but um, a sauna for 11 minutes, um, four times per week, uh, reduced the risk of Alzheimer's by something astronomical. I, th- I think it may have been like 66% or something, but don't quote me. So, um, yeah, saunas. And where I'm going with this is now, and I going into cold showers, I have cold showers every day, don't have warm showers anymore. Um, that imp- it, it, it strengthens the blood vessels around the heart, improves the immune system, all types of things, growth hormone, testosterone, uh, all these different things. And it's things that people, it's, it's a tool that people have been utilizing for millennia, especially in those colder countries like Scandinavia. So um, that's just a, an example. But going back to fasting, you know, again, we've been for, for years and years since ancient times um, and when, back in the day in the Paleolithic era or whatever, when we were hunter-gatherers, you know, we would have to go for days, maybe even weeks sometimes without food. And then guess what? There'd be food available and we would eat the fuck out of it, which is, um, which is why I like to call it intermittent feasting, not intermittent fasting. But yeah, so where, let, me, let me just summarize this for you now. Most of us eat out of habit, okay? So in westernized countries, most of us really don't know what it's like to be hungry. Now, I'm going to big myself up a little bit here now. I've been hungry. I haven't been starving. Now, I'm not going to use that word. I'm not, I'm not from a third world country. I've never been starving. I've been hungry numerous times whilst prepping for competitions. And um, I've done a few 24-hour fasts. And it's not necessarily hunger, but I know what it's like to feel. Oh, sorry. With, with, with the shows, the competitions and stuff, yes, I've been hungry. Okay, I've been in a calorie deficit. I've, I've gone longer periods without food and whatnot. And, and that, that was hunger. But most of us, I mean... <laughs> A lot of people probably haven't gone like in their whole lifetime in westernized countries longer than 12 hours without food. Now, it's not hunger. It's a craving. It's completely different. You are not hungry a lot of the time. So the signals have been um, 
muffled, if you like, and, and, and most of us have been kind of hijacked in the sense where we think we're hungry, but the signals are not actually efficient signals because we eat out of habit. We're creatures of habit, right? And uh, there's more food available to us than uh, there has been, you know, or, or at least food's more accessible to us than it has been at any point in human civilization. You know, let's face it, you can get a bloody McDonald's delivered to you within 10 minutes now with Uber Eats. You know what I mean? So, um, uh, you know, we're facing an obesity epidemic, uh, chronic illness, autoimmune diseases, all these things. And yet, you know, we're in a position where food is available to us within five minutes. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so yeah. Anyway, um, we eat out of habit. So what I would say is um, if you could try maybe as a starting point, if you're someone who eats um, six times a day or eats little and often, maybe just try not to eat more than four times in a day and um, have longer breaks between food. Ideally, um, around about four hours, I would say, between meals if you can, um, because that's going to give your body enough time. Obviously, there's a lot of variances here, but generally, I try not to eat any more. <clears throat> like, obviously, I eat in a smaller window, right? So I'm just I'm saying for the average listener who, who you know gets up, has breakfast and whatnot, maybe try and give yourself like three or four hours in between meals. Uh, and see how that goes because um yeah it's just it's just um it's just not going to be ideal um obviously i'm no scientist or nutritionist right so i'm not going to say oh you know but you know common sense tells you if you're eating really really frequently day in day out mm, i don't think it's going to be ideal for long-term health later down the line so maybe try and eat more infrequently and see how you go with that um so yeah maybe try not to eat more than four times in a day and see how that goes but once again it's each to their own and um the most important thing is you know how many calories you consume in and what kind of foods um uh, you know I, i'd say above that i'm not I'm, I'm the opposite to these people who are like oh it's all calories in calories out um there's a big wave now of people prescribing uh programs to people nutrition programs and whatnot and it's just purely focused on calories like and uh yeah, I mean, nutrients over calories any day, uh, without going too much into that. But it's going to be, in terms of fat loss and longevity, health, it's going to be a case of how many calories you're consuming, what nutrients are you putting into your body. Um, and because, for example, eating vegetables is going to be uh, really beneficial for your gut flora, your microbiome. Okay, So you're going to build a healthy microbiome generally if you're eating vegetables regularly, ideally organic because of the... Uh, the chemicals added to non-organic veg nowadays. But listen, if you're getting your vegetables in, that's going to be uh, beneficial for long-term health. But um, yeah, so so give that a go. I did go off on one a little bit there, right? But uh, yeah, I'm going to move on swiftly once again. <laughs> um, so yeah, the last topic now is um, is carbohydrates. <clears throat> As I said, that, that word is almost like a, um, it's a bit of a stinger now, isn't it? When it's like, <gasps> you eat carbohydrates, oh my God, you're going to be fat. You are literally going to be fat. You eat carbs. Oh, my God. That is dangerous. You need to cut your carbs up now. Obviously, I'm going a bit overboard here, as usual. And um, I'm going to turn my bloody phone off so you can't hear my messages going off. Um, but, yeah, carbohydrates. Now, do carbohydrates make you fat? And what is all this, you know, all this bloody kerfuffle you can hear people talking about when it comes to, ooh, you know, I've got to eat low carbs and high protein and high fats uh, to get me leaner, uh, which, you know, definitely there's some truth to that 100%. But let me just start with the fact that the human metabolism is so 
complicated and complex that are even this day and age, right, with technology and where we're at now, <clears throat> and how much they learn, you know, with se- uh, stem cell production and um, just human metabolism in general, you know, all the studies they're doing have been in rats, but now there's a lot of conclusive studies coming out on human metabolism, so the next few years are going to be interesting, but even until the day I die, I'll be learning about metabolism. It's that complicated. Uh, next to the human brain, human metabolism is so bloody out there, and there are so many individual variances from person to person based on genetics. You know, we have like around about 200,000 different genetic blueprints within our body, 200,000 different types of, or something like this anyway, don't quote me on this, but 200,000 different types of genes within the body, right? So, you know, already that kind of puts two and two together, that sounds complicated alone, right? And that's just one element. Okay, so there's going to be genetic variances from person to person based on your, you know, your ancestors and, and the environments that they grew up in and the gut flora, the microbiome your mother has passed down to you, um, is going gonna, is gonna to determine a lot of things in terms of your genetic makeup and your microbiome and whatnot and how sensitive you are to carbohydrates and how your body utilizes carbohydrates and calories in general. But, um, you know, there's also, for example, right, let me go into, where was I going with that then? It's kind of tough doing one of these podcasts on your own, you know, folks, because uh, I'm speaking a bit faster than I usually do. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But um, I'm, I, I really get into it. And uh, as you know, I'm really passionate about it, so I've kind of lost my trade of thought a bit here. Yeah, so there's, 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 there's so many variances, right? Carbohydrates, do they make you fat? Come on, cut to the chase, Silver. Bloody hell. Um, there's going to be genetic variances of people. There's going to be, you know, for example, carbs. Certain people um, will be more sensitive to carbs than others, but to different types of carbs. Now, what they're finding is, for example, um, when it comes to your blood sugar levels, right? So let me just go through the different types of carbs, right? So you've got sugar. Okay, let me just go into sugar and uh, what this does to the body. So let's look at the worst kind of foods to start with, right? Refined sugar. So you're eating processed foods, you know, junk foods, or, you know, simple sugars, sweets, whatever, uh, crappy kinds of carbs and processed, right? Now, Thing is, is for let's, let me just look at stuff like that we, we love eating, right? Like things we love, like ice cream, cakes, those kind of things, right? So the things that are the most taste, chocolate. Oof, who likes chocolate? Things that taste the best and literally put us into a state of euphoria, we put it into our mouths, right? Have a combination of fat and sugar, right? Let's just say around about a 50% ratio of fat and sugar, there and about, give or take, right? And what's very clever about these um, uh, the food industry is that when it comes to breastfeeding, right, when we're born, and instinctively we'll straight away, we'll be, we'll be uh, being fed milk from our mother's breast, and it works out around about the same ratio, roughly, apparently, 50-50 of fat and sugar. Now, really important types of fats and sugars and proteins, which... Uh, uh, vital for sustain life, sustain life, and, and build a build a healthy immune system and whatnot. <clears throat> but yeah, if you're eating those kind of carbohydrates, if you're in those kind of refined carbohydrates combined with fats, um, then you don't need me to tell you that that's not going to be ideal, um, and that's going to really have a bad effect on your gut flora, 
and um, it's, it's it's one of the main uh, contributors to chronic illnesses, diabetes, and whatnot. So you don't need me to tell you that that kind of food is bad, right? But carbohydrates in general, no, they're not bad, right? So, for example, um, once again, going off on a tangent. Now, um, yeah, sugar, and then let's go into like um, into like healthier carbs now, right? So let's look at starchy carbs, right? So you've got sugar, starch, and then you've got you know your plants, your vegetables, right? So starchy kind of carbs, um, I would say to try if your if your goal is to lose fat, right? Um, now this is where there's a lot of confusion. Is like, right? Carbohydrates, I just don't get it. Like, I, I mean, I, I eat healthy. You know, um, a lot of people think they eat healthy and they don't. Um, so don't get me wrong. For example, let me go into like bread and pasta and cereals. Those kind of things, right? Now, they're a form of starchy carbs. Also, potatoes are another form, you know, that kind of stuff, rice. But I would say to, to, to minimize um, fat storage, because what, what the, the studies they've done on people who eat um, pro-inflammatory kind of carbohydrates, right? Now, um, foods such as bread and pasta, which can contain a high amount of gluten. Now, gluten has a protein in it um, called gliadin, which um, can have an inflammatory effect on the gut, right? Now, it's the same goes for what I was saying about refined sugars and stuff, right? Pro-inflammatory foods um, will damage the gut over time, and that will lead to that. That can alone lead to obesity and and diabetes and stuff, right? But the fact that if you're having like bread, pasta, regular on a regular basis, um, you're still going to be um, pumping out insulin and putting your body into a fat storing into a fat storing mode, right? If you're eating those kind of foods like bread and pasta regular and you're not moving enough and you're not earning those kind of carbohydrates, then you're going to put your body into into generally into a fat storing mode because insulin is a fat storing hormone. It's not always bad, right? It can be, a, it, it can really, it's, it's really important for muscle building as well. So it can, it can work as your best friend or your worst enemy. But the way I look at it, unless you're earning your carbs, then, okay, let me just go into bread and pasta, for example, high in gluten, right? A lot of bread and pasta nowadays is, is bloody um, processed anyway. And as I mentioned before, like, I mean, it's just habit again because um, it's something that we've grew up eating, right? Like toast and stuff like that and whatever sandwiches. But it's it's not ideal if your goal is is health and losing body fat because, like I said, it's 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 a starchy carbohydrate. It can be pro-inflammatory uh, pro as well because of the gluten, but not to mention a lot of bread and pasta is processed as well nowadays. Um, if you're having wholemeal, it's going to be better. Um, but generally, I would try if you're going to have starchy carbohydrates. Um, I, ha- I, t- I have a lot of sweet potato, so that's kind of works really well for me. Um, it's one of my favorite foods. makes makes me feel good. It's really good, really good for my gut. Um, it, it gives me a good sustained energy. So my choice of starchy carbohydrates are going to be <clears throat> generally most of the time sweet potato, some uh, some fruit, which is sugar. That's a sugar kind of carbs. But I'm talking about. Um, Oh, sorry, let me go back a bit. Starchy carbs, right? So potato, um, I'll sometimes have some rice, but you know what works actually better for me and what they're finding is when it comes to rice as a starchy carb, actually white rice for most people is actually better than brown rice. Um, I may have mentioned this before, but the brown rice, uh, brown rice contains anti-nutrients and it can have, um, again, it can trigger off an immune response in the body. So it can be toxic on the gut. And a lot of people get issues when it comes to bloating and um, inflammation issues when it comes to brown rice. So generally for me, white rice works better and for most people I've coached as well. So contrary to what we believe, uh, as far as 
as far as um, health goes and, and what's healthier, white rice for the most part is going to be better for you. So white rice, um, sweet potato, uh, quinoa. Those are the, would be my top three kind of um, starchy carbs over bread, pasta, and cereals. Try and eliminate or reduce them. They, they're never going to do you any favors, those kind of foods. Trust me. Um, if you're having them on a regular basis, right? Now, you don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people like, oh, look at him. He's saying bread, pasta, bread. I'm not saying bread and pasta make you fat, right? I'm not saying that, right? Because there's these people out there that break my balls, man. Like, oh, yeah, it's all about calories in, calories out, though. It doesn't really matter. Carbohydrates don't make... No, there's more to it than carbohydrates. Carbohydrates, yes, they can make you fat, and they've made a lot of people I've coached fat, right? Um, and I'm being straight with you now because if you're eating the wrong types... Um, your body is not going to metabolize them efficiently and it can have an inflammatory. And even if you don't get noticeable, you don't notice inflammatory issues like bloating and whatnot, um, it, can be a, it can be something that um, it, it, over time manifests and um, you can damage your gut and, and, and trigger off um, chronic illnesses later down the line. So what I would say for starchy carbs is nutrient-wise anyway, you're going to get much more out of sweet potato and quinoa. White rice is not going to have a, a great deal of nutrients, but... It's going to be a lot better than uh, generally than brown rice. Don't get me wrong. Brown rice probably does have more nutrients. However, it also contains anti-nutrients. Um, not going too much into that because I can't think what, the, what, what types of, what, what they're actually called to be specific. But like I said, it can have a bad effect on the gut. Um, yeah, and then there's like obviously plants. Now plants and vegetables are still carbohydrates, by the way, right? So, um, but it's a, it's a different thing, right? It's completely different um, than then um, your body breaks them down differently than what it would to starch carbohydrates because um, without going too much into the molecules and the science behind it, <clears throat> for example, green veg, super high in fiber. Um, and one of the most, uh, when it comes to cruciferous veg, like uh, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, that kind of stuff, um, contains a lot of sulfur um, and sulfurophane, which is very, very, very beneficial for, for the body. Um, very important nutrient, but, you know, like Brussels sprouts, for example, a lot of us fart and get bad responses to Brussels sprouts. It's because of the sulf, uh, so the high amounts of sulfur, uh, sulfuric acid, I think it's called. <clears throat> but it's a very, very important nutrient as well. Um, but not everyone is tolerant. However, um, not to mention all the other minerals and uh, high amounts of fiber and whatnot in green veg, right? Uh, and then leafy veg, like, you know, spinach, kale, that kind of stuff, it's going to contain an abundance of minerals such as uh, um, magnesium, folate, potassium, all those kind of things. I'm not going to reel them all off, but, um, yeah, so green veg, heaps, okay? It's still, it's still a, try and get heaps of green veg, and it's still a form of carbohydrates, but it's going to give you sustained energy, high in fiber, um, but all vegetables, I mean, I always say to people, try and get start off with two servings of vegetables a day. And by two servings, I mean uh, plates full of veg. So even if you can get one big plate full of veg in a day to start with, if you don't have any veg, great. Yes, add color as well. So that's why... Um, you know, other, other vegetables such as, you know, carrots, brighter colors like orange and red, carrots, tomatoes, you know, um, like I mentioned, sweet potato, that's still a vegetable. You know, yellow yellow bell peppers or yellow capsicums if you're, if you're Australian, they've got a different name from <clears throat> contain high amounts of um, uh, carotenoids, if I've pronounced that properly, or beta carotene, uh, vitamin A, essentially. So um, lots of great benefits there. Eyesight, um, I believe, skin, nails all that kind of stuff. So vitamin A is vital as well, and it's going to have, they're going to have a wider range of other nutrients as well, but an abundance of vitamin A, so that's why it's important to add color, right? Um, and then there's other colors then, like I've been eating purple carrots lately, 
Um, but for example, purple carrots, uh, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, those kind of things are going to contain a high amount of flavonoids, which are uh, powerful antioxidants. So um, it is good to add color as well, right? So heaps of vegetables um, as a carb source, um, I, would, I would say at the top of your list, okay? But do carbs make you fat? No, they don't. Um, would I recommend eating certain types of carbs? Yes, I would, just as I mentioned earlier. Now, as I said about earning your carbohydrates, right? So the way I look at it is if you're carrying a bit too much body fat and your goal is to lose body fat, right, for example, then you need to earn your carbohydrates, that's the way I look at it, right? Um, it always works well. Again, there are some variances. Certain people do actually um, respond. They're less sensitive to carbohydrates, but someone who has a fair bit of body fat generally is going to be um, less sensitive to carbohydrates, okay, um, and more resistant to insulin. So, for example, um, if your goal is to lose body fat, get leaner, then what I would say is to um, earn your carbohydrates. So, Prior to training, if you're going to uh, go lift some weights, for example, <clears throat> let's just say you're lifting weights, let's say for argument's sake, you're lifting weights in the evening, right? So you're going to the gym, going to go and pump some iron. Um, lunchtime, if your goal is to lose fat, I would say to have, um, again, this is another little tip for you, the body will burn what, what you fuel it with, right? So generally, if you put fat into your body, like, the, the, again, there are some... Um, things you need to pay attention to here, right? Because calories are important. But if you're putting fat into your body, the right types, the body's going to burn fat. It's going gonna, it's gonna to draw fat out of the cells and utilize your body fat as energy. Whereas if you're putting carbohydrates in your body on a regular basis, <clears throat> not so much plants, vegetables, because it's more fibrous, okay? So there's lots of fiber and, and, and not much sugar, especially in green veg. But I'm talking about, you know, the wrong types of carbs, bread, pasta, cereals, refined sugars, um, your body is going to then, uh, it's going to use carbs as an energy source. So if you're pumping carbs into your body regular, it's like a good analogy to use is, for example, if you're putting petrol into your car, right? You're putting petrol into your car, what's going to happen, right? If, you, if, you, if you've got a full tank and you keep putting, trying to put petrol in there, all right, okay, if you want me to go into detail, then the, probably the, the petrol thing is going to cut off, right? But you know what I mean. If you continue to pump petrol in there, what's going to happen? It's going to spill out all over the floor, right? Um, it's the same thing, right? So if you're pumping carbs into your body on a regular basis um, and you're not utilizing the, you're utilizing the carbohydrates, what's going to happen is you're just going to, the body is then going to convert the, um, it's going to put the uh, carbohydrates and it's going to store the carbohydrates as body fat because there's nowhere else because you're not burning it up. You're not driving off anywhere. You're not, you know? So if you're putting carbohydrates into your body regular and not utilizing that, it's going to be stored as body fat. And that's just to simplify matters, really. But um, So, yeah, so I would say, for example, if you're going to go and train in the evening, your lunchtime meal, plenty of vegetables, and get some fats in there as an energy source, right? So maybe throw avocado in there, maybe half an avocado, some olive oil, right? Make sure you get good quality extra virgin olive oil. There's a lot of knockoff ones nowadays. So throw some olive oil on there. Add some cider vinegar for flavor as well. Um, other forms of fats are like nuts as well, maybe a handful of nuts on there as opposed to the avocado or, you know, or both if you want, but just don't, obviously don't overdo it. Now portion, portion size, portion control is quite important, but that's just an example, right? So for example, let me just give you an example of a lunchtime meal then, right? High fat, um, decent protein, low carb meal. Okay. Salmon filler. 
Okay, salmon packed full of omega-3 fatty acids, contains a lot of fat, a lot of healthy fats, right? So a salmon filler, half an avocado, a load of greens, or loads of vegetables in general, yeah? Throw some colours in there as well. Coloured vegetables in there, that's fine. <clears throat> Maybe a tablespoon of olive oil, splash of cider vinegar, job done, boom. Um, if you know, if you feel like you need more than that, I've, I've add a couple of nuts to it as well. That's going to be quite a high calorie meal, by the way, right? But what's going to happen then is you're going to put your body into a when you when you're training, you know, you're not going to have a great deal of carbohydrates in the system. So what's going to happen then? As I mentioned earlier, your body's going to be drawing fat out of the cells and burning fat as energy. And you're gonna, you know, we can survive without carbohydrates, right? Protein and fats, we can't. We, we need them to sustain life. Carbohydrates, we can survive without. So your body will happily use fat as energy. The fat you've eaten um, and the, the, the body fat within your body, is the body fat within your body, the fat stored um, on your body, your uh, metabolism will, will um, sorry, you'll metabolize the fat then as opposed to just using up the carbohydrates or sugar you've eaten. So, um, yeah, so if you, if you train... Um, when you're training, have the fats, higher fats, low carbs, and then maybe post-training, you could throw some carbohydrates in then to replenish, right? So <clears throat> just throw in some, um, you could throw in some, actually throw in some simple sugars, but good simple sugars, um, fructose, uh, fruit, right? So fruit contains fructose, so maybe a post-training meal could be, if you want to get your protein in there, like, oh, let's just go with the uh, the cliche chicken breast, right? More vegetables, Throw some sweet potato in there as well. That is a starchy carb, but it's still um, it's still it's still, uh, <clears throat> it's still a healthy carb. So throw that in there, and then maybe some fruit as well. Then for dessert, you know, fruit is nature's dessert, right? So berries and maybe you know some berries and an apple or something. Then for dessert, I don't know. Just 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 uh, an example, but yeah. So I would say generally, there's there's a lot of um, different ways you could do it, but that's just that's just an idea for you, right? So if you train. On a low carb feed, uh, more fats, and then replenish after you've trained. So you've got to earn your carbohydrates. Look at it that way. If your if your goal is to lose body fat, um, it's very very hard to uh, get the message across because this it's so it's a minefield. I'm, I mean I'm still learning every single day. It's so complicated from person to person. But just as a general rule of thumb. I hope that has helped in terms of what carbohydrates you should be you should be putting at the top of your list. Vegetables, right? Boom. Um, and then start your carbohydrates then. Try and earn those kind of carbs, yeah? Um, but you could have them before training as well. If you, you know, if, you, if your goal is, if you're a guy listening to this, right, and you wanna, you're doing strength training, you're lifting super heavy weights, but you still want to lose body fat, throw some starchy carbs in there before you train. So throw some sweet potato or some quinoa, some brown or white rice in with your meal, yeah? So you've got, um, ideally, I'd say at least two or three hours before training. <clears throat> Uh, let your body start utilizing those those uh, nutrients and uh, digest it. So yeah, so throw the throw the starchy carbs in before you train. Then to load up your glycogen levels, even have some simple sugars then before you train as well. Um, either some fruit or even some like you know some some natural honey. It's fine. Maybe some oats. That's another form of starchy carbs. Um, if you if you're not if you're not intolerant to gluten, just get normal. Um, get some good quality um, oats. And uh, have them with some fruit or something before training, a little bit of honey, if you want something which is a bit more, you know, palatable. Um, but for me, you know, I love vegetables. But um, if you're in that, if you're in that 
place now where you're like you know struggling in terms of eating uh, rubbish foods more regular then something like oats is going to be a healthier option than having a couple of donuts before training you know what i mean so um yeah uh and what, what i wanted to reel off for you as well is something really interesting right because no so someone requested me by the I, I asked someone i know uh and she was like right okay put I said, what, can, what myths can I put on this? And she said, oh, how carbohydrates are demonized and how they're really bad. Now, I've just kind of, in a way, talked a lot of shit about carbs, right? But not, not carbs don't make you fat. There's a lot more to it than that, right? Um, so I'm not sitting here and saying, right, avoid carbohydrates, um, blah, blah, blah. But what I am saying is be mindful of the fat, right? Just remember what I said about us being hungry, okay? Now, I go, I go long periods without food every day. Okay, and um, it's not a problem for me now because intermittent fasting has taught me a lot about um, the signals and what hunger is. Okay, now I'm not recommending you do that, as I said earlier. But what I'm saying is, most of the time, you, you, it's cravings. It's it's emotions driving us to eat. It's emotions. It's cravings. It's different environmental factors. It's not hunger. It's really not right. So just be mindful of that, right? So when you, for example, let me let me just give you a. Let me just give you a uh, arbitrary thing here, right? So, you know, for example, like I like to have um, smoothies every now and then, okay, like um, fruit smoothies or whatever. Um, but when when we, for example, oh yeah, I want to go and get like a nice smoothie. Um, we know it's healthy, right? But the bottom line is, um, it's human nature to, to to go for sugar and carbs as a primary source of energy. So when we we want that hit of dopamine, we want the surge of happy chemicals in our brain. Um, when we have that juice drink, okay, or that smoothie or whatever, when I, I'm mindful of that, when, when I have that, I know my body's not going to break it down or um, um, utilize the calories and nutrients anywhere near like it would whole foods. It just doesn't, right? We didn't evolve that way. But I know I want that juice because it, I get that rush of dopamine from the sugar and the fruits being blended up into a shake. You know what I mean? So just be mindful of that. You know, we're, we're doing it because we're, we're doing it with our emotions and because we want it. For pleasure, essentially, it's not. It's not because we're going to die, right? I know this sounds quite extreme, um, but yeah. Just to summarise this one now, right? Do carbs make you fat, and are carbs bad? No, they're not. Are there different types of carbohydrates which uh, can have a negative effect on the body? Hell yes, there's a lot of carbohydrates out there which will. And um, just like I said, inflammatory, right? So that's what. The gut is so complex, right? And the microbiome. I think. Just picture this now. We've got like a thousand, over a thousand different types of species of creatures living inside our gut. We have about around about a trillion different types of bugs living in our body. Not different types, sorry, but about a trillion bugs living inside of us right now, right? Our body is ninety percent bacteria. Only about ten percent of our body are human cells. The rest is bacteria. Now, how is this bacteria? What determines um, the environment of our gut. What do you think? What you put into your gut, right? So if you're putting every single thing you put into your body, it's, is affecting how you are as a person, shaping who you are, right? I know that sounds a bit, it becomes a part of you. It sounds a bit, a bit crazy, but the link between the, 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 the gut and the brain, it's just blows my mind. The research going into it now, um, you know, the serotonin receptors alone, like 90 to 95% of the serotonin receptors, um, 
located within the gut, produced within the gut. So serotonin, as we know, is the, is the hormone responsible for us feeling happy and libido and helping us go to sleep and all these really, really important bloody things, by the way, uh, producing the gut. So if you're eating the wrong types of carbohydrates and pro-inflammatory kinds like refined processed types and bread, pasta, and cereal, which could have an inflammatory response on the body, but not even going away from the inflammatory stuff, right? Like bread, pasta, cereals, those kind of things, right? They're going to require your body to pump out insulin, okay, when you when you eat them. So if you're eating them regular, just remember, insulin is a fat-storing hormone, okay? And unless you're an elite athlete, right, who's burning a stupid amount of calories um, and can get away with having pasta every meal, trust me, like most of you are not going to be able to get away with that in terms of fat storage um, when it comes to the uh, the heavy carbs. So it will, um, any carbohydrates which are not utilized by you are going to be stored as body fat. Okay, so just to, but the same goes for calories in general. If you're overeating calories, if your body is burning 2,000 calories in a day and you're consuming 3,000, then guess what? That's a 1,000 calorie surplus. And if you continually do that day in, day out, then you're going to put body fat on pretty quickly, yes. So it is calories, but there's a lot more to carbohydrates than what people think. So um, especially in the westernized diet. Anyway, Jesus, I'm going off on one. Um, what I was going to say is I was going to run through this little study with you and I've actually got a book in front of me now because there's a big wave of people out there, um, so-called nutritionists, who are saying that it's just about calories and that artificial sweeteners and carbohydrates, it's like that doesn't have an effect on the body. Yeah, right, man. Were you born yesterday? I'm not being funny. Hats off to people. I'm, I'm no nutritionist and stuff like that, but come on, man. You've got to take a step back. If you think that um, it's just about the calories, then come on. Like even the people listening to this know th- there's going to be more to a calorie than just a calorie, right? There's going to be certain nutrients and chemical reactions in the body which are going to determine everything, right? So let me just go into this little study now, right? I'll read it out to you. Um, this book I'm reading now is called The Clever Guts Diet by Dr. Michael Mosley. I would recommend reading it, The Clever Guts Diet, right? And they've done a very interesting study. And what blows my mind is the Mediterraneans, right? The Mediterranean paradox, they call it now, where they they drink wine, you know, they um, have lots of fats, right? So olive oil, um, lots of fatty foods, on a regular basis, cheese, eggs, all that kind of stuff. Um, they drink wine every day, so they have one or two glasses with their food every day, right? Um, obviously, wine contains a lot of really important antioxidants as well, which um, obviously play a part in it. But um, olive oil, apparently olive oil is the game changer in terms of the abundance of um, polyphenols within the um, the olive oil. So, um, But yeah, what they find is like they don't get the diabetes. So although the obesity rate is pretty damn high in the Mediterranean, right, in general, they don't get the diabetes to go with it. They've they got a low, a low rate of diabetes, whereas in westernized countries, we have, obviously, it's an epidemic, right? So what does that tell you? It tells you something's going on there, right? So um, that's just one point. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can imagine when the Mediterraneans sit down and have food, they're not, they're not as stressed as, as most of us are up in the, in the westernized world where we're eating on the go, everything's a rush, we're in this state of stress nonstop, um, we've got high amounts of cortisol, which is the stress hormone in the bloodstream, and then when we're eating foods, which are normally the wrong types as well, of carbohydrates and whatnot, then we're pumping out the insulin, and we've got high amounts of cortisol 
in the blood at the same time of insulin, and, and that's got to play a part um, in terms of the uh, the diabetes epidemic. But yeah, this study, whereas the Mediterraneans, on the other hand, they've probably got lower levels, generally of cortisol, is civilized, having a meal, relaxed, drinking their wine, you know, so they haven't got as much, that's got to play a part in it, in terms of the cortisol and insulin or whatever. But yeah, one of the most impressive dietary studies ever done, right, showed that compared compared to going on a classic low-fat diet, which would be more carbs, right, um, or going on a Mediterranean diet will cut your risk of heart disease, uh, type 2 diabetes, breast cancer, and even stop your brain from shrinking, right? So for this study, which was funded by the Spanish government, researchers randomly allocated 7,400 overweight Spaniards to either a, to either a low-fat diet, which consists mainly of lean meats, low-fat dairy, or minimal use of oil, which is what we have been bombarded with and and told told is, is the right way to do things over the last few years, which is clearly not... Or a Mediterranean diet, for example, oily nuts, oily fish, lots of olive oil, eggs, dark chocolate, red wine. They were they were then followed for many years. The results were clear. Although they were not calorie restricted, okay, so let me just put this out there now for any of you, anyone listening or if there's any nutritionists out there, which I doubt they're listening, but certain people, I'm not going to mention any names, starting to frustrate me a bit because they're saying that it's just about calories, calories in, calories out. Yes, the overconsumption of food is killing people, but the types of foods are playing a huge role in this as well. So stop denying that and stop saying that it's just about the calories because listen to this, although they were not calorie restricted, those randomized to the Mediterranean diet put on less weight, particularly around the middle, than those on the low-fat diet. They were 30% less likely to develop, to develop heart disease and half as likely to develop, to develop type 2 diabetes. Half as likely from having a high-fat diet, folks. Low carbs, right? <clears throat> a particularly important element of the diet seemed to be olive oil. In fact, women for this study who were asked to add an extra couple of teaspoons of extra virgin olive oil a day cut their risk of developing breast cancer by nearly 68% compared to those who were dutifully eating low fat. So, there it is, olive oil. But the book also says there's a lot of crap olive oil out there. So try and get, um, try and get a, good, a good quality source. But it just goes to show that... Um, Having a high-fat diet, which consists of a lot of, you know, having fish, they say about twice a week, ideally you want to have um, omega-3 fish, such as salmon, you know, mackerel, sardines, those kind of things, right? Um, and just want to really quickly break this down for you as well, um, when it comes to fish, is the types, right? Because a lot of fish now um, is, is very toxic in terms of the metals, so avoid sort of swordfish like the plague. It's got a super high amount of uh, metals, you know, mercury and arsenic and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, shark, even tuna though. I don't eat much tuna now because that is um, it's got high amounts of metals in it. Um, and then your best types, as I said, are going to be the oily fish, which are going to give you loads of omega threes, such as mackerel, uh, salmon, and sardines. Right. So, yeah, get the fats in. Get plenty of veg in. Avoid refined crappy carbs and. Um, Bread, pasta, cereals, try and reduce that if you tend to have a lot of that in your diet. Um, and as far as bread goes, I would say sourdough. Sourdough, if you can get good quality sourdough, uh, is normally fermented. It's good for the gut. It's really low amounts of gluten in. So I'm pretty much really, I'm really, I'm almost, I'm almost intolerant to gluten, but um, I'm just more sensitive to it than ever, uh, than, than anything really. So um, when I have sourdough, I'm normally fine. So it goes to show. Um, yeah, hope that's helped. And uh, I always feel like, 
I've chatted a load of shit, but um, maybe that's just me. Um, hopefully, a lot of you took some uh, great takeaways from that. And um, yeah, you should definitely get on my Build Your Best Body training program. I'll give you a 50% discount if you're listening to this podcast now. I'll unlock the code. I'll unlock the code, let's say, for the next week. So you can get 50% off. If you click the link on my Instagram bio, if you go to um, on Instagram at Martin Silva Fitness. Martin Silva is S-I-L-V-A, the Mediterranean way, actually. Yes, I do have Mediterranean in my blood. Fitness. So Martin at Martin Silva Fitness um, on Instagram. Click the link on my bio, and that'll take you to my blog explaining what my bro- program consists of. Scroll to the bottom, um, click to buy, and enter code MS. Yeah, my initials MS Founder. F-O-U-N-D-E-R, MS Founder, okay, and that'll give you 50% off my training plan, um, yeah, and that's pretty much it in a nutshell, got some exciting stuff coming, some online stuff I'll be releasing, so I'll keep you in the loop with that, but go follow me on Instagram, right, and if you've listened to this podcast, drop me a direct message on Instagram, and, and, and say you, uh, sorry, drop me a direct message on Instagram, and leave me your email address with a, on the DM, so I can send you out a free newsletter once a week, and also folks, if you can, please give me a five star rating on iTunes, and a review, uh, a good review, it'd be a massive help, that's the, the main thing really for, for helping this podcast grow, so if you could do that on iTunes, that would be great, they don't make it easy by the way, they make it really hard to do, best way to do it is to go onto a podcast app or go onto iTunes and search for Optimize Your Body, click on the podcast and then you have to um, uh, go to scroll down and then put like five star rating and then uh, write a review. When you click on write review, it might ask you for like a nickname. Now try and think of one which is like no one's going to have because stupidly what it does, it'll let you type the review, but if the nickname's being used, it won't actually go through. So um, type in like a rare nickname that you think no one else is going to have. Write the review and it should be all good. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. Love you all. Uh, Stay tuned and have a fantastic day.